Welcome to the Command Line Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Command Line Gideon, a self-proclaimed hacker, eccentric, and hacktivist. This is my show about the practice and profession of programming, drawing on well over a decade of professional experience and a lifetime spent hacking, the intersection of technology with society and public policy, and anything else clever, elegant, or funny that catches my mind as a diehard technology geek. It's been a week longer than I intended to get back on the mic. If you're unaware, I'm working on a new project, which is taking a little bit more time in this spinning up. You can find details about that at PeculiarCharacter.com. This is an interview-driven show that I'm doing focusing on one of my other great passions, beer. Finding time to go out into the world, first near me, and then gradually expanding beyond that to who knows where to talk about people responsible for making and serving beer and all the things that go into it. I'm having a lot of fun so far, and I hope you check it out. There's also a Patreon if you enjoy it and you want to support. Enough about that other project. This time, I wanted to talk a bit about the activity of code review, in particular, how to navigate, I think, some of the challenges that can come up. This is much more of a human activity than a technical activity. I'm going to do a little bit of unpacking what I mean by code review, so hopefully you have a sense of why I believe that it's a bit more about the conversation than it is about the code per se. I'm not sure that I landed strongly on a good set of recommendations here. Hopefully this somewhat rambly and discursive take on code review and navigating disagreements makes some sense to you and is of value and as always, as you'll hear me tease at the very tail end, if you have some thoughts, I'm happy to hear those. The IRC channel, I'm going to going to plug that once again as a great place often to have some discussion after the episode drops about people's various experiences. I am always there. I'm not actually always there, but I'm on a bouncer, which means that even if I'm not paying attention to IRC, if I'm not actually on a computer where I'm, I'm seeing the chat go by, I've always got the, the history next time I check in. So sometimes we can even have an asynchronous conversation through that medium. You can find it by searching for the command line, or you can just join hash CMDLN and join the conversation there. In a career that spans over 20 years, my current job is the only one where our development process has very consistent code review. We use private repositories on GitHub. That means for code review, we typically use pull requests. The idea is that you create a local fork or branch. You make your changes, then you submit it back effectively as a patch. What makes pull requests on GitHub, if you're unfamiliar, so powerful is they're just so easy to use. You've got a couple of different layouts in terms of seeing the differences, either inline or side by side. There's very good support for commenting, they even recently, a few months back, added sort of an approval flow where a reviewer could request changes blocking a merge of a pull request. People submitting the pull request could tag specific reviewers saying, hey, effectively, I want you to take a look at this and give me your feedback. The easier these sort of code review tools seem to be, I think the harder it becomes to deal with critical feedback. What I mean in the extreme is when you see a pull request or some other set of changes and your visceral, almost instinctive reaction is, 
that's wrong. It's easy when there's a logical flaw in the code to point that out and I think come to agreement in fixing it. What I'm talking about here is that there's some problem that you see in the approach or the design of the underlying code. Worse, in my experience, when trying to get into these sort of critical discussions, it very quickly becomes a, a little bit adversarial. People don't set out to write bad code. They don't intend to use a poor design or to not give enough forethought on how they're going to construct a set of changes. To some degree, they're just doing their best. They don't expect someone to come in and immediately have very strong criticism of the work that they've done. To them, it may represent a significant portion of their time. It doesn't matter whether this is professional, so it's part of perhaps a, a regimented approach like a two-week cadence or sprint, or an open source project. It's easy to think in the latter that perhaps the effort is free or it's fungible in some way. However, there's a lot of, I think, static friction to somebody making a pull request against an open source project. They may similarly feel invested and some time pressure, maybe not on a strict calendrical sense, but definitely in terms of whether they have the spare time to rewrite a change set that doesn't pass muster. How do you effectively give criticism then that can be heard, acted upon, and ideally the change is updated, that your viewpoint and their viewpoint in some way converged to the mutual satisfaction of both parties? I don't know. The question's come up quite a bit recently at work. I don't want to name names, just rather use it as anonymous input to think about a couple of cases where somebody worked I think very hard or so they thought put something out there that just I don't know didn't seem right to somebody else and the ensuing struggle is definitely real in terms of making people realize that when we're receiving feedback it seems pretty straightforward to try to cleave to humility to be open-minded you want to understand that people are offering suggestions with good reason. It's the flip side of the effort and intent that somebody put into some set of changes. If they're asking a question, if they're pointing something out, you should, I think, give them a benefit of the doubt that they're really just trying to make your code better. It's frustrating, though, when that doesn't seem to be the case when you're giving criticism. And I don't know that there's a simple way to overcome that, to get to a state where you're collaborating with somebody whose code is under review to try to get to some sort of shared understanding. Then, on the basis of that understanding, figure out what needs to change next to satisfy everybody who has a stake in what's going on in that code review activity. Let's step back a moment and think about what an idealized code review might involve. The person submitting code to be read over and commented upon is saying in some way, I think this is done. I think this is a reasonable approach. Maybe they're asking, help check that I haven't missed anything. If they're doing a really good job, I think they, they put a lot of comment, uh, 
comments on the code, both in the main description in the when it takes the form of a pull request to say what's changed, what's going on here, how might this affect the user, what other sorts of externalities are important, how does this potentially affect testing or quality in some way. The really good people I've seen submit code for review have actually gone down to the unit level and often left sort of breadcrumbs of comments to help elucidate their thinking. I'm of two minds on that. I, I like when I see it in a pull request. I wonder if there's some way to address it more directly in the code, if that is maybe symptomatic of not fully integrating your thought into your code design. Maybe there are some functions that need to be better extracted, some inline comments. Usually, to be fair, I think I've seen it with a particularly drastic change or a large or sweeping change. It is done, I think, in that instance, not necessarily as something that gets folded completely into the permanent structure of the code, but just sort of as a guide to the reader. Maybe you can think of it as cliff notes. Here's where I made this change. This is why this non-obvious thing kind of shows up here. I only think that when I get to the end of a, a code review with those kinds of comments, if there are things that are still kind of sticking out to me that don't quite snap into place after full comprehension, then I might circle back and say, hey, I think this warrants a comment block or a little bit of rethought so it's more self-evident in the code. After all, that change context is momentary. That code's going to get merged in. It's going to become part of the permanent code base if all goes well. At that point, you're not going to have something like a pull request to explain why particular structures exist in the code, why certain logic is realized in particular ways. On the flip side, I think as a code reviewer, you want to try to be thoughtful, and if you can, find ways to approach things sort of as a teacher. Ask good questions. Make sure you actually understand what's going on in the code before you make a suggestion or an observation. I often find myself going to, when I have the luxury of being able to do so, going to someone in person to try to have those questions, uh, to have the conversations from those questions as well, and then uh, memorialize them as comments on the pull request instead of relying on a rather thin channel that is text to convey something that uh, might get misconstrued, right? People in a, a critical context might see things as harsher as intended or more lax than intended. It's a lot easier to just sit down and say, hey, you have a few seconds. Can you walk me through this? I have a couple of questions. I want to make sure that I understand what's going on here. If you're going to get into more substantive suggestions or questions, I think that that works better as well. It's easier to explain yourself both in posing the question and in providing the answer in person, face-to-face -face, with that rich interaction, again, rather than through uh, sparse or terse comments throughout code. I think good code reviews result in code change, full stop. It doesn't necessarily mean that somebody's rewriting or doing any kind of real pervasive change, but it means that good suggestions were provided, good questions were asked, everybody's understanding improved all around, and someone went back and made their code even better. That's definitely the goal of the exercise is to make the code better. And better in this instance means more understandable, more reliable, higher quality.
These are all good outcomes. And I think collaborating in that context of commentary, conversation, reading and comprehension can, when it works well, really drive at that quite nicely in a way that uh, it just makes sense. The subsequent changes coming out of that code review make a certain sort of sense. The code is clearly evolving. If you look over the history of commits that arise out of those kinds of activities, it's just very apparent that people are working together to make the code stronger and stronger. So back to that original situation of there being a failure for minds to meet. What do we do then? What does that idealized code review perhaps suggest to us that we might try? We could try a little harder to ask questions. We can try a little harder to understand if the person explaining feels like they've explained it sufficiently. They feel very strongly that their code does what's intended and is a fit solution for the problem. What then? What if you disagree with them? How do we keep pushing on that in a way that helps make the point clear? I think I have seen people do their own alternative pull requests in some instances. The here, what about this approach? Maybe I'm not making myself understood conversationally or in comments. Offering some competitive code in some way might make it more understandable what it is that you're trying to get across perhaps than, than otherwise. I don't know. That doesn't seem like that's necessarily the most effective way to get there. I think perhaps finding use cases, edge cases, uh, counter cases that might reveal something about why your instincts are telling you that there's a problem with this code bringing it down to concrete terms, using good examples. You can certainly use tests for that. I have seen pull requests though where tests have a other than expected effect. Someone says, uh, oh, all your criticism, I hear you, I think you're wrong, and I have tests anyway that shows that this code works just fine. If you can perhaps encapsulate a breaking case, one that is not too contrived, that seems pretty straightforward and reasonable, all the same, that might be able to break through that impasse, that lack of understanding to say, nope, it actually only took me a few lines, a couple of variables, not odd circumstances at all to demonstrate some brittleness in your code. I'm not trying to break it for the sake of breaking it. We want to get to a point where we're working together to overcome that, to rethink as needed, to change as needed, to make things better. Maybe part of it is definitional, that not everybody has the same understanding of what better or quality code is. Maybe they do understand it, but there are extenuating circumstances that get in the way. Time pressure, tight deadlines, any number of other stressors on people contributing to a project might lead them to taking what seem like more reasonable shortcuts than if they're more relaxed and they have the benefit of more time. I certainly over the years have worked on plenty of projects where the mantra very quickly devolves into, we just need to get it done. We can come back and clean it up later. This is good enough. It works. It works for the cases that we know about. If it breaks, we'll have more time down the road to fix it. Here's the problem with that in my experience. You never get the time to go back. Things that you write short and shoddy that you take shortcuts on 
for perhaps the best of reasons at the time, those same pressures keep coming back. Those pressures are going to apply after the fact as well. Worse, you want to go in and pay down some tech debt. We all want to do that. I think that that's a common experience after a certain point of growth in our career as technologists. We want to minimize tech debt. We always want to be cleaning up code that we have opportunity to clean up. On the other hand, we want to deliver features. We want to continue evolving that software, whether that's in a commercial setting, professional setting, where we've got a product owner or product manager who's really pushing a cadence for that, or it's a community-driven effort. It's an open project, and we have a certain excitement for our roadmap where we have users, early adopters, who are kind of pulling us along very eagerly, hoping to see the next feature release sooner rather than later. Now we're competing with that feature work with tech debt work. If you had the chance to sit down, those of you who have programming experience, and program some new interesting feature, some novel problem, interesting solution, or go do some maintenance code, clean up code that didn't quite pass muster but worked well enough to get into a prior release, which would you rather do? Be honest. Be, be realistic about it. Who amongst us has the will, the discipline to sit down and constantly prioritize tech debt first, even if we have the latitude to do that, if the other pressures are somehow alleviated or we have the wherewithal to push them aside for the moment, all things being equal, are we going to eat our vegetables or are we going to do something a bit more fun? When you think about it like that, it just seems like some decent enlightened self-interest to me to just never write bad code if you can avoid it. Just write the best code you can always. And if you don't have time, instead of writing bad code, just write less code. You always have control over that. You have more control than you think in terms of what you write, when you write, and how you write it. I'm willing to bet the people, whether they're formal stakeholders or just adopters within a community, are going to be happier getting smaller chunks of change, smaller increments of value that are higher quality and more reliably than bigger changes that frustratingly break and never seem to get cleaned up and fully fixed. What if we don't even have that shared understanding to say, this is short and shoddy. This is just uh, a way of getting something very quickly out there to make opportunity to circle back, despite, I think, the flaws with that reasoning. What if it really is, I like A, and someone else likes B, and there is just no way to get to any kind of compromise, any kind of reasonable agreement? These are polar opposites in some way. The opinions about them are strongly held, and there's just no conversational tack no approach that's going to get to some sort of agreement. What then? Up until recently, I'm not sure I'd have a good answer for that. I think that I might have relied on the fact that often I'm in a leadership position to make an assertive decision to say, we're just going to go with A and the people who like B, I'm sorry, that's the way it is. I think that that still happens. I think that I'm still seeing that in the place that I'm in. However, that doesn't leave the people who favor the other option in a very good state. Software development, whether it's community-focused or professional, is often a team sport. 
We rarely get to work on projects that we can tackle all on our own. There's a certain joy, I think, in collaborating in a team context anyway. There are things that you can accomplish in a group that are next to impossible to do on your own. I think that really brings home something to bear in mind that's easy to lose sight of. When we get into these technical in-the-weed arguments about different approaches to a problem, the merits of different solutions that we want to code out, that sometimes goes out the window, that we're actually working together. We have a shared purpose. Maybe the decision doesn't go your way. Maybe it just gets made arbitrarily so something can get done. Is it worth poisoning the well? Is it worth damaging the team dynamic for the sake of being right? Or can you find a way to live with the decision that's made, whether you agree with it or not, for the sake of team harmony? I don't mean that in an abstract way. I mean, these are the people that after this decision is made and however things play out, we're going forward, you're still going to need them to review your code, to test it, to help bounce ideas off all the things that we do in a collaborative software development environment. If you make it a sticking point that your opinion was overridden and you're thoroughly unhappy about that, if you don't manage to find some sort of grace and patience to work through that, and figure out what your next opportunity is perhaps to, to better evolve and better bring things to the outcome that you desire without overly disrupting how everybody gets along, that's going to make it very hard for you to get the necessary participation and collaboration just to get your work done. Who's going to want to do a code review knowing that you, through a fit of frustration over something that just needed to get done. It's understandable. We have strong feelings. We have strong beliefs. I think that software development is a much more human activity than we're given credit for, that it is based on intuition, experience, and heuristic as much as it is on any kind of hard and fast principles like engineering. I actually don't think software development is typically an engineering exercise. I think it is much more complex and human mediated than that. And it's going to admit these kinds of differences of opinion. I think it's way more important to think about how we navigate those differences and land in a good space so we can continue to work together than it is to be right about some technical thing that may end up being momentary anyway. Good systems, active systems that people find value in, constantly evolve. I, that's a truth that I found throughout my career. When they become static, that's when you get very worried. If you think this is the last time you're going to be able to work on a particular aspect of the system, that's a bad thing. If things go well, you're always going to be able to continue to push for better quality, better outcome, whatever it is that you're invested in. I think you need to have a bit of faith in that. It's not quite the same what I was saying earlier about redoing code per se. It's more about the conversations that you have are not do and done as much as you think as part of an ongoing continual discourse, both person to person and then the software that you're writing together. I honestly don't know if that answers my question. I'm kind of curious what your experience of code review is in particular, how on teams you've been on, how you've navigated through disagreements 
as always, let me know what your experiences are. Send them to, to me and let me know if it's okay to share. If so, I'm happy to share them with everybody else so we can continue this conversation to try to better understand, I think, one of the harder challenges, one of the, definitely the more human t- challenges of working through disagreement to a greater eventual agreement, again, reified in the code that we write together. That's going to do it for this episode. As always, I want to thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed the program, please do tell a friend. If you have a question, suggestion, or correction, you can send those to feedback at thecommandline.net or you're welcome to record a bit of audio with your smart device and send it to the same place. Until next time, don't forget to hack your world. I would like to thank the Internet Archive for media hosting and bandwidth. The views expressed on this program are my own and where applicable those of my guests and in no way reflect those of my employer or anyone else. This show is produced from 100% recycled bits. Except where noted, permission to recycle those further is granted under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 United States License. That means you're free to change this show as much as you like as long as you don't alter credits and you share your changes under the same license. Thank you.